Last week, Kathy talked about the meaning of home, about how a place becomes some place of warmth and belonging, and about how we're building a spiritual home here at Wellsprings. It's what this message series calls a community of kindness. Now, creating this kind of community means really at base this. It's about creating connections, finding the places and the ways that we can recognize each other, look into each other's faces and find their communion, not take each other for granted, move beyond superficialities, get past mere pleasantries, take joy in each other's triumphs, help lift each other up when we're going to fall, and also reach out beyond wellsprings to share who we are. Now it's just this kind of reaching out, making a connection, that I want to share with you this morning. In some ways it was planned, and in some ways it was a completely unexpected gift. I'm part of our not-so-random-acts-of-kindness springboard. Springboards are small groups for spiritual growth, and we'll have some new ones coming up this summer in case you're interested. This not-so-random-act-of-kindness group is exactly what it says. The group gets together and hatches our little conspiracies of kindness in our community, commits them together, and encourages each other to practice them on our own. Like last Friday night, we were at the first Friday celebration in Phoenixville, handing out free bottles of water and what people really appreciated, free massages. A lot of stressed people out there. One of my own personal acts of kindness has been this the last six weeks or so that I leave $10 once a week behind me at the local sandwich shop right next to our office for someone anonymous, unknown to me, who comes in after me so that they can eat on my dime. Now, the first time I did this, the young guy, younger than me, behind the counter, sort of stared at me and crossed his... really suspicious. He's wondering what I was trying to do with this here. After I explained to him it was safe, I didn't want him to give me anything, I explained it was just simply a part of my regular spiritual practice. He nodded and called out to the woman behind the counter, Hey, guess what? Someone actually cares. Maybe he hadn't had such a good day. By the way, I want to encourage you, when you're having a really crummy day sometime, when your problems seem too much with you, give the cashier money at the Wawa where you're buying coffee to the person next in line after you. Go up randomly to someone who's at the filling station and offer to swipe your card for their gas. I guarantee it will make you feel better on that day when you're not feeling so hot. So anyway, I left my $10 there, and about an hour later, Carol, our administrator, went over to get herself a cup of coffee. The folks behind the counter, with all smiles, they said, you know what your minister did? He left $10 for someone to be able to eat, and that, 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 that guy, he's right over there, he's eating. He came up, wanted to ask about Wellsprings, wanted to ask about the church. And then he did this. He reached in his pocket and gave the church a $50 gift. I'd like to take those kinds of guaranteed return to odds Atlantic City with me some, uh, someday. But obviously, this $50 bill is not about a return on the cash. That is about an investment. Perot put it this way. He said, goodness is the only investment that never fails. I'm going to repeat that. Perot said over 150 years ago, goodness is the only investment that never fails. Because even if this guy didn't give us this $50 bill, which, by the way, I'm never going to spend. I mean, it's like, I think I want to mount it and put it up like our first, you know, completely random, wonderful gift to us. Even if he didn't give us back this $50 bill, he carries that experience with him. 
of some random person from some unknown church, some unknown spiritual community, who wanted him to be able to eat on my dime. Hopefully, given this guy's attitude, you can imagine this, he pays it forward. He just doesn't pay it back to us. Small acts can have huge consequences. We can never tell where our actions will land. Like, remember that old Breck hair shampoo commercial from the 70s? And she told two friends. 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 And the way the screen keeps going and dividing and dividing and dividing, well, not well enough because Breck is now out of business. But you get the point of the story. What we do with one small act and have ramifications beyond just that one small deed. It's like what they talk about in chaos theory, that a butterfly flaps its wings off the coast of Africa, causing perhaps minute initial changes in the atmosphere that set off chain reactions that lead to large-scale alterations in the weather system as a whole. And perhaps then a hurricane lands on the eastern seaboard of the U.S. or sails harmlessly out to sea into the Atlantic because of that one small action. We can never tell you can never tell where your small actions will land. How what we might do will be gathered up in the larger movement, the larger forces of history, and it can take us and that act somewhere. Think of Rosa Parks. One person sits and helps to ignite the greatest peaceful revolution in the history of this country. This can happen for good, and it can at the same time, folks, happen for ill. We all, all of us, live within systems of belonging, a web of connection. Apply pressure at one point in the system, pluck a small strand, and you can never tell where the reverberations will be down the line somewhere. I really wanted to show you this recent commercial, a great telecom commercial that illustrates this point, but I couldn't find it on YouTube this past week, so maybe I'll tell you about it. Maybe you've seen it. It's an office setting. A worker sits annoyed in front of his computer, waiting for his slower-than-slow internet connection to do its job. And a fellow uh, worker peers in, really happy, says, How you doing? Really bright. All he gets is a grunt back. No happiness, no returned in time. And that perky greeter now frowns and takes off down the hill. And she's greeted by another person down the corridor. And perhaps because she's been rebuffed, she throws an elbow right in the person's midsection. And on and on it goes until about a couple more steps down the line. You know what happens? It's like more of the flies in there. They're bashing each other with their computer screens. They're spraying each other off with a fire extinguisher. It's like nature red in tooth and claw. All from this one thing. Bang! One small action multiplies its effects, and you can never tell. Now, obviously, that's through ludicrous and comic effect. But one small act. One small act. On a side note, this commercial is also a great example of how not to be, big word, self-differentiated, which is the best thing you can be in an unhealthy or angry system. But that's a message for another Sunday. I'll hold that. It's a negative example. What we're trying to do here at Wellsprings, what we're trying to talk about, is that in doing good, in a small way, in being kind, there might and there will be, I can guarantee you, although we may not see it as individuals, there will be outsized effects to our cause. To what we do in love, what we do in compassion, what we do in justice. It's like planting that seed, just like our youth spirit kids are doing this morning. It's one of our core beliefs in this congregation, woven right into the very fabric of our DNA. It's like a pebble dropped into a pool. We can never tell how long or how far or how strong those ripples will continue. Especially as we're getting started here at Wellsprings. This conviction, this belief is so key to us. 
because we're still just starting out. We've just passed our first trimester of services here. What we do in our time, in our place, in this moment, has power to build strength in this community for years to come. It's like Chris was talking about this morning. Giving mindfully in so many different ways. Practicing spiritual community mindfully. You will help create our future. So you can help us to leave an inheritance for people that we will never meet in the future. Leaving a legacy starts right here and right now. And that legacy can come and will come to generate some unexpected things. It's like the story from Rebecca Parker, who's the dean, the president of our Star King School for UU Ministry in Berkeley, California. She writes, Eight years ago, I moved to California to become president of the Star King School. Truth be told, I was feeling so proud of myself, captain of my ship and master of my soul. I had charted valiantly my course to become first a cellist, then a minister, and now a professional educator. When I got to California, I discovered I had a parcel of distant cousins that I had never met. One of them, my cousin Eldon Ernst, was dean of the American Baptist Seminary in Berkeley. He proposed a family reunion for all of these distant cousins, and so we got together. And when I arrived in the driveway of my cousin Sally Ernst's home, I got the first introduction to these distant cousins by reading the bumper stickers on their cars. One said, if you want peace, work for justice. Another, teachers do it with class. Another, live music is best. And then there was the one that said, if you love Jesus, tie. Inside, over jello salad, homemade rolls, and tuna casserole reminiscent of every church potluck I've ever been to, we said hello to each other. Here was Sally, Minister of Religious Education and graduate of the Pacific School of Religion. And here was Mike, a professional French horn player and high school music teacher. And Eldon, the seminary dean. And David, a United Methodist Parish minister. Every single one of my distant cousins was a musician, a minister, or a teacher. And several were all types. Not only that, they were just like me. All liberal social activist types with an intellectual bent. And all the musicians were classical. Apparently, I had never made any choices on my own. My life was given to me. I did not make myself. And this is how it is. We receive who we are before we will choose who we will become. Even when we do not know directly the people whose lives our lives are linked with, our lives unfold in relationship with theirs. We are born into relationship before we share relationship by our conscious intention. We do not make ourselves. We are given the gift of life. The gift of life that sustains this earth and each other in all the generations heading back into the generation right here, presently, that we live within. All life is relationship. James Luther Adams, probably the most influential Unitarian thinker of the last century, put it this way. He said, there is no such thing as the immaculate conception of an idea. Repeat that. There is no such thing as the immaculate conception of an ideal. Everything comes from someplace else. And this is the great difference in our religion from other traditions. People might want to say, well, we're just Christian light, or Jewish light, or Buddhist light. No. We take, borrow, grow upon other traditions, but we are more than that. At our base, we say that everything in life is relationship. Everything comes from someplace else. 
in a lot of traditional religions, is sort of like that tendency of a six or seven-year-old to want to run away and deny that they come from someplace. But we, here at Wellsprings, and as Unitarian Universalists, talk about the relationship that comes from relationship that comes from relationship all the way back, an infinite regress, but also in front of us, an infinite progress as well. We recognize the interdependence of all life. We're born into a situation of absolute dependence. And as we grow, we strive for our own independence. But the mature person is able to recognize that at base, all life is relationship, and that we live in these webs of connection, these webs of belonging, these relationships with each other. So many traditions want to talk about absolutism. They want to talk about the revelation that comes from on high, or the revelation that comes from the mountaintop, where it's pure, untouched by human hands. You know what the word contingent means? Contingent, which means not absolute. Contingent means the Latin word to be touched. Think about the power of touch. Think about handshakes. Think about hugs. Think about the top of Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel, that beautiful imagistic hand of God reaching out to touch humanity in creation. There is no wisdom untouched by human hands. There is no wisdom that does not have fingerprints attached to it. At our best, our Unitarianism, our Universalism, says that everything comes from relationship. Instead of revelation from on high, it's revelation from relationship within. Everything comes from this place. The kingdom of the divine, it was taught about so many years ago, is within us. And because it is inside of each of us, it is also amongst us. Everything emerges from someplace else. Some of those things we can name, and some of those things to which we are beholden, we will never be able to name. Maybe that's what God's name is. The final resting place where all human memory and all human existence is held in store and story. We cannot see it all. We are just a part of that story, just a part. Now, it can be frustrating to, lim to realize the limits of what we can control, what we can affect in this life. But once we accept that we are just a part, a brilliant, beautiful part, it actually is the most freeing thing in life that we can realize. We give up on focusing on the end. We give up focusing on control. It's like the great philosopher Alan Watts said, no one sings a song to get to the last note. No one sings a song to get to the last note. We walk through this life best note by note, step by step, having the opportunity that once we give up talking about control, we are liberated through intention, through in mindfulness, to give ourselves fully to the time that we have. This level of authenticity calls out to other people. And this kind of authenticity calls us out toward other people. It binds us together. A few years ago, my stepmother's brother's wife, not a blood relationship, my stepmother's brother's wife, died very suddenly. She had had cancer for a number of years and really seemed at this point to be responding very well, very healthfully to the treatments. So well, in fact, that what they were going to do was take a trip, Bob and Sarah together, to Florida, down close to where I was living at the time. They made their way down there, had a good first day in the sun. The second day, she developed a cough. By that evening, she was diagnosed with pneumonia. By midnight, she was dead. Could not even make it back home to Pennsylvania, where they're from around here. That night, or the night that we heard of it, I got a call from 
my sister, my younger sister, and Emily doesn't analyze things as much as I do, which means the flip side of it, that she feels things a lot more honestly than I do. And she called, and I could hear that her voice was just about to break. She really wanted to talk to someone. She said, did you hear about Sarah? And I said, yes, I had heard. And without the sound of the voice on the other line, the child descended into tears. I knew this would hit her, because it was hitting me, even if I didn't want to admit it, because Sarah was about the same age, and died in roughly the sudden sort of same way that our own mother had died. Now, what Emily did by talking to me about it gave me the opportunity to really let those feelings, not just the thoughts, but the feelings, sink in. And through her sobs, I could hear her say how sorry she was for Bob, for Sarah's husband, and for Sarah's daughters, who were so close with her, and especially so close to the time of the cancer treatment. And then my sister sort of sort of sniffled a little bit in the midst of the tears, and she said, the worst thing about this is that I'm not sure what I'm crying for. I know I'm sad for Sarah and for her family, but I'm sad for us, and I'm sad for Dad, because I know right now he's thinking about the way that Mom died, and he's thinking about his feelings back then, and I'm not sure what I'm crying for. Is that bad? Should I feel badly about this? I thought for a second, and I said no. The reason that you can cry for Sarah at all is because you recognize what that pain is like. It is because of that connection that you have to your own life that you are able to have compassion for what she is going through. Because, and through your own experience, you can know and you can try and stand in your shoes. Everything touches everything. Everything touches everything. There's no place in us at our deepest core, in our deepest hearts, where our memories reside, where I believe God is, it's the place that somehow we stop and other people stop. We have so much connected within us, so much that we cannot know. There's this Tom Waits song, beautiful song, and if you really, really gravelly Tom Waits, if you know his stuff, he sings, well, it's such a sad old feeling, all the hills are soft and green, it's memories that I'm stealing, but you're innocent when you're dreaming. You are innocent when you dream. There is no guilt in our collecting each other's memories as we go through life. They make us who we are in ways that we cannot name. We are all the keepers of each other's lives. We are holders of memories we can't remember, and we are holders of other people's memories, even, even, the vast majority of people in your life, i got to tell you folks, you will never meet them. You may not know their name, but because of what they've done, your life is able to live in the way that you are living now. A great chain of belonging and connection that we are a part of. There is connection, there is relationship, everything touches everything. And because of that, everything is connected here in this moment, in our time together. Because in the end, we can't know everything and we can't know everyone, even if we still live in the light and the heat of their lives that are past. But we can know some people. We can know some people well. That is the blessing of being in spiritual community. That's why we're a part of this community. And we can also know and honor that great something that calls us into life and which finally has no name. To connect in our time, to connect in our place, to connect in our community more meaningfully, more intentionally every week, I'm introducing something new today, and it's going to be part of our service, before and after our service, every single week, a chance to be involved in the spiritual practice of being community together. It's called Remembrances and Reflections. 
through it, we'll have the chance in really small and really meaningful ways to recognize and share our lives with each other. It is simple and yet profound, and it works this way. Before or after our service, every single Sunday, there will be a time for each of us, a time for each of you, to remember and to write down and to collect what the contents of your hearts contain that day. Your triumphs, your joys, your sorrows, your sacrifices, your uncertainties, our connections. In the back, you'll see there's a small candelabra that in the future we're going to put forward, probably in its own sort of small ritual place. An opportunity to light a candle, and then in a small book provided, an opportunity to write down the reason that you light that candle. And then what we're going to do is share that with you during the week. We're going to send that out to you for all of you who are participating in our services regularly, so we'll have a chance to see week in, week out, how we are building the story of this congregation, how we're building the story of Wellsprings. Imagine that book 10 years from now, 40 years from now, 100 years from now. Imagine the stories that it will contain of our connection in our time, and even if people don't know our names at all, what they will know is that because we were intentional about connecting with each other, because we cared enough to honor our relationships to each other, that what we have done here is create a home for them to live within. Building that legacy starts now. Building the community is here amongst us. And so I encourage you to do so in a way that your heart is moved, whether it's after service today or in all the Sundays at home. Amen. And may you live in blessing.